Hey, everybody. Today we conclude the series that we've been calling God's House, where we've been discovering three places that God resides and loves to meet with me and with you. Uh, the first place is my home, where I live. Uh, the second place is my heart, where I live with Jesus. And today we study the third place uh, that God resides and loves to meet with me, which is my church. And some of you are saying, hey, what's the big idea preaching on how great it is to go to church when we can't go to church in this lockdown? And it's a real bummer. Well, I agree that it is a bummer that we cannot gather together in our church building. But let's also clarify something very important. And that is, in the Bible, the word church never refers to a building. Uh, the New Testament was written to Christ followers who never had a church building to go to. So when the Bible refers to church, it's always referring to God's people and not a building. So if BlackRock is your church, as it is mine, BlackRock is God's house where God wants to meet with you. But it's important to keep in mind that in the Bible's definition, BlackRock Church is not a place, it is a people. Black Rock Church is not a building, it is a body. And Black Rock Church is not a facility, it is family. It is God's family. Black Rock is God's house. Church is God's house, where my vertical relationship with God comes together with my horizontal relationship with God's people. And there are many ways that this vertical and horizontal come together to make my church God's house. Uh, there is corporate uh, worship and preaching, there's serving, there's small groups, there's friendship and fellowship of many kinds. But there is one corporate act that stands far above them all. It's the ceremony that Jesus commanded and that we call the Lord's Supper or communion. So today we're bringing together these two themes, how the Bible defines church as God's people and how God meets with us, the church, in a special way through communion. And there is one scripture passage that most brings together these two themes. And I'd like to study this scripture before we're all given the opportunity to participate in communion together. But just a warning about these words from the Apostle Paul that I'm about to read. They are packed with meaning and they end with a very serious challenge. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. See what I mean about Paul's serious challenge? These last lines are breathtaking and remove any doubt about how close to the heart of God is this matter of communion. So let's study what Paul teaches about communion, starting with his first emphasis that communion is about remembering. Remembering what? Well, first, communion is remembering Jesus. Jesus takes the bread and says, do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus takes the cup and says, do this in remembrance of me. When we go to communion in just a a few moments, um, I'll invite you to spend some time holding the bread and holding the cup and just taking some quiet moments to remember. Now, these quiet moments are not for remembering your schedule or texts that you should or shouldn't have sent. Uh, It's for remembering Jesus, remembering who he is, that Jesus is your creator, that Jesus is the eternal son who was there at the beginning, that Jesus saw you before you were born, and then in his eternal mind, Jesus had you on his mind when he hung there on the cross. Communion is both remembering who Jesus is and what he did. Jesus suffered this blood-soaked agony of the cross. Jesus endured hate and humiliation and shame. But why? Why did Jesus do that? Well, that leads to another kind of remembering. Communion is remembering who I am. Paul says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So communion has definitely a corporate aspect, which I'll talk about in just a few moments. But Paul makes it clear that there is also a personal one-on-one aspect of communion, where I'm one-on-one with Jesus and I examine myself and why Jesus suffered on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because he was paying for my sin. Not the sins of the whole world only. He was paying for my sin. Which means that I need to take my sin seriously. I need to examine myself for sin that is in me now and requires my confession and God's cleansing. But I also need to go back. I need to go back and examine how desperately lost I was before Jesus found me. I need to go back and remember how dead in sin I was before Jesus died for me. I need to remember the desperate, hopeless state that I was in before Jesus rescued me. And I must remember not to bring up old pain from my sin, but instead to bring out renewed joy and gratitude in my salvation. I'm reminded of a scene from Tolkien's masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings. It's a scene from the book that really does not come across in the movie. It's the middle of the night, 
and the city of Gondor is under attack by these monstrous man-eating orcs led by a dark warrior who calls himself Death and who has supernatural power to bring terror and despair upon the residents of the city of Gondor. And one of those who is under this terror and despair is a hobbit named Pippin. Pippin is inside Gondor and he's aware that he is about to die. The orc army is bashing against the wooden gate leading into Gondor. And soon the evil army will pour in and kill Pippin and everyone in the city. Pippin watches as that gate is smashed and death rides into the city laughing in triumph. But when everything seems to be lost, suddenly everything changes because a sound is heard over death's laughter. It is the sound of horns in the distance. It's the sound of the horns of Rohan, the army that is coming to defeat darkness and save Gondor. And in the book, we're told that Pippin, from that point on, for the rest of his life, whenever he would hear horns in the distance, he would break down in tears of joy and gratitude. Whenever Pippin heard distant horns, he would remember when he was hopeless and about to die, but how the king of Rohan gave his life so that Pippin could live. If you are a believer in Jesus, then communion is the sound of distant horns. Communion is the sound of distant horns that cause you to remember with joy and gratitude the king who gave his life for you. Communion is the sound that makes you remember how hopeless you were, the sound that makes you remember. And the more you remember, the more you are filled with joy and gratitude. In communion, I remember who I am. I am a sinner saved by grace alone. And I am loved, so loved by Jesus that he suffered in order to make my heart his home. That's right. Jesus lives in me. And Jesus coming inside is one of the key parts of the symbolism of communion. When Jesus says, this is my body, eat this bread. When Jesus says, this is my blood, drink this cup. He's calling me to let him in. When I eat of the bread, the bread comes inside me. It satisfies my hunger. It feeds me and actually becomes part of me. When I drink of the cup, it comes inside me. It quenches my thirst and becomes part of me. Jesus wants me to see that in the partaking of the bread and cup of communion, there is the symbol of the truth that Jesus wants to live in me, become one with me, and then live through me. So very often when I'm taking the bread and cup during communion, I'll ask Jesus to fill me again with his spirit, to energize me with his power, to enable me to forgive like him, to love like him, to be bold in love like him, and to live like him. 
That's all part of just examining myself in communion, in this one-on-one meeting with Jesus. Because there is in communion a personal dimension just between me and Jesus in uh, that taking of the bread and cup. But communion must also be a corporate experience. Communion is remembering who we are. My church is God's house, meaning that God does not just reside in me. God resides in us, the body of believers. And so when I'm taking communion, it is very important that I do so in unity with other believers in Jesus. Paul speaks powerfully to this truth when he says, those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, notice what Paul does not say. He does not say those who eat and drink without discerning the body and blood of Christ eat and drink judgment. No, Paul is speaking here of the body of Christ only, because he's referring to the church and how wrong it is to take communion uh, while being at odds with my brothers and sisters in God's house, the church. Paul says, don't ever think that you can experience the blessing of receiving Jesus' love and forgiveness in communion while refusing to forgive, refusing to associate with certain members of God's house, God's family. God will not bless you in that. When I receive communion, I must come with a heart ready to both receive Jesus' love and forgiveness and to share that love and forgiveness with others, even those who have hurt me. I must share that love and forgiveness with God's house, God's family, my brothers and sisters in the church. This stuff is serious. I mentioned earlier how Paul's strong words here indicate how close to the heart of God is this matter of communion and how we should never approach communion lightly or without full understanding. And it's this full understanding need that uh, is, is why the elders of BlackRock have always cautioned parents against allowing very young children to participate in communion. I have memories as a young kid watching my parents take communion. And I remember begging them to let me in on what appeared to be snack time. I was like, finally, church gets it that we need more snacks around here. Hey, it's understandable for kids to not have full understanding. But parents, you understand. You understand that communion is not snack time. Communion is serious business, and therefore, you should wait until your children are old enough to have full understanding before they participate in communion. For similar reasons, communion is not for people who have no intention of believing in Jesus or following Jesus. Uh, But communion is a perfect first act of faith for you if today you desire to receive God's forgiveness for you through your belief in Jesus and what he did on the cross.
which leads to one more aspect in communion. Communion is remembering our part in his story. Uh, when we have communion in a few moments, uh, I will begin with the very same words that Paul recites when he says in 1 Corinthians 11, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and after he gave thanks for it, he broke it saying, uh, do, do you see what communion is here? Communion is this reenactment designed to draw me in to my part of the story. Uh, in communion, Jesus is inviting me to take my seat with those first disciples around that first communion table. You know, you may think of yourself as small or insignificant. Well, in communion, you see that you are part of the biggest story ever. You're part of his story. Jesus is inviting us to take our seats around that uh, Lord's Supper table, and to take our parts in his story, just like those first disciples did. Those first disciples were filled with Jesus' Holy Spirit and boldly shared his love with their hurting world. Those first disciples faced persecution and danger and uncertainty and world crisis after crisis. And in the process of following Jesus and being part of his story, they changed their world. They changed history. And now Jesus is calling us to serve him in the midst of our crisis-filled world. Jesus is with us in the midst of this pandemic, and he calls us to be the church, to be his house, to be his body, reaching out with his nail-scarred hands full of love for our hurting world. We are to be his body, doing our part to make history in his name. In a few moments, I will lead us in communion using a special cup. Uh, many people who see our state-of-the-art Black Rock building don't realize that we are a church that is over 170 years young. Uh, we don't have very many historical artifacts that go back 170 years. One of the only ones we have is this cup. This cup bears an inscription confirming that this cup was used for communion starting at the very beginning of Black Rock Church in 1850, 170 years ago, which means that this chalice has been used to proclaim Jesus and his death and resurrection. This chalice has been used for communion for 170 years through the Civil War, World War I, World War II, the Great Depression, 9-11, and is used for communion today in the midst of this worldwide pandemic. In this world of uncertainty, the truth of Jesus is certain. And as we take communion together today, we do so remembering that all history is his story. And so we joyfully rededicate ourselves, both as individuals and as a church, to be a part of God's story, to as a church be God's house dedicated to proclaiming Jesus until he comes again. 
In a moment, I will pray, and uh, this prayer will be followed by a 90-second video. Uh, If you're in a place where you can participate in communion uh, right now, this video is designed to give you a few moments to gather uh, bread and cup uh, or to get your young kids uh, somewhere where uh, you can be uh, able to concentrate for the next few minutes. Uh, If you're taking communion with others, I recommend preparing a separate cup for each person as I'll be allowing you to Uh, Have a few moments to hold the bread and hold the cup and have a period of uh, quiet uh, reflection and remembrance before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And now, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for sacrificing yourself upon the cross for us, your family, your house, your church. Uh, Now, as we take the bread and the cup, we remember We remember you, and we remember what you have done for us. We remember who we are to you as individuals and as the body, your church. And we remember that we are not small and insignificant because we are part of the biggest story ever. We are part of your story. With that encouragement, as we take the bread and cup, Lord, would you fill us again with the power to serve you, to truly glorify you, and to love you, both now and forever. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he gave thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And now everyone should take a piece of the bread and hold the bread for a period of prayer and reflection.
And Jesus said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And now hold the cup for a few moments of reflection and remembrance. Jesus said, This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And let us drink together. And just before a closing song, let's close now in prayer. Lord Jesus, we take the bread and cup and we remember. We remember who you are and we remember what you have done for us. That Jesus, in you alone, there is salvation for our souls. In you alone, there is forgiveness of our sins. In you alone, do we find home. We find the home of the house of believers and we find an eternal home. And we look forward to that day when we will celebrate with you around the wedding supper of the Lamb. And we will enjoy home with you in the Father's house forever and ever. We praise you and you alone, Lord Jesus. Amen.
light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse is lost, it's Thanks for worshiping with us today, and you'll find some helpful links uh, posted in the description and the comments section. Uh, they're designed to help you take your next step in making BlackRock your church home. 
or to help you take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. Thank you again for worshiping with us together as God's house and see you next week.